Good morning and welcome to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. Later on, Pastor Christoph will be coming and sharing with us about the real Jesus, part four of his journey of discovery in regard to who the real Jesus is. But to kick things off, we are going to begin with an old hymn, Angels Voices Ever Singing, Round Thy Throne of Light, Angel Harps Forever Ringing, Rest Not Day or Night, Thousands only live to bless thee and confess thee, Lord of might. One of the later verses in that hymn I really enjoy, speaking about our worship of God, goes and says, In thy house, great God, we offer of thine own to thee, and for thine acceptance proffer all unworthily. Hearts and minds and hands and voices in our choicest psalmody. And speaking of Psalms, Charlize, after listening to this hymn, will be reading to us from Psalm 23. So, it is wonderful to have you with us, and may the Lord richly bless you as we go and share this hour together. In Jesus' name, Amen. reading from Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is one of those psalms that as the years go by, it grows greater and greater in depth, meaning and significance to me. I love the fact that it begins with that very simple statement, Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, my shepherd. When the Lord is our shepherd, when we acknowledge and recognize that we need God, to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, to feed us, to sustain us, to be with us, to protect us, to safeguard us, to bless us, to surround us, that it is all of him. It gives such great comfort and joy to one's soul. What do you think? You see, when we start off, we think that we are all gung-ho and we have it all together. We can go and be masters of our own destiny, do our own thing, be in control of everything. The world is our universe. But as time progresses, we discover that that is not the case. And as one person went and said to me during the week, the greatest wealth one can have is their health. And that is so true. The greatest wealth one can have is their health. And here we are looking at this passage of Scripture and we recognize that we are frail and weak human beings. We're not the masters of destiny that we think we are. We can accomplish a lot. I'm not going and making our belittling that. But the reality is that when life goes and throws its ups and downs and curveballs and twists and turns at us, it is such comfort to know that the Lord is our shepherd. Jesus himself uses that picture and goes and calls himself the good shepherd. And in John 10.10, and this to me is becoming one of the key verses in my ministry these days, John 10.10 goes and says that the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. Folks, make no mistake about it. The thief, who is Satan himself, comes to kill, steal and destroy. You look at the misery that's in families. You look at the misery that's in our lives. You look at the pain and the hardship that has all been caused since that serpent was in the garden. And the one the one who can relieve us of it all, the one who can set us free is the person of Jesus Christ because the second part of that verse goes and says, I have come to give life and to give it more abundantly. The Lord is my shepherd. Such joy, such excitement that we can go and say those words. And so as I ponder on this psalm, as I think about this psalm, It fills my heart with that joy and comfort. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. It isn't about material wealth. It isn't about what, how big your house is. It isn't about how good things are. It is about the knowledge of being looked after by God. There is a grey crow which loves to bounce off my little cabin out at my home and annoy me no end. But yet when you look at scripture, the Lord goes and says, consider the ravens. They don't do any work. And yet your heavenly father knows what they need. The grey crow, the crow, the raven are all birds that are scavengers. They live on scraps of waste. And yet God provides for them. And Christ goes and says, look at them. Look at how they are. If I look after them, and they are plentiful, let's make no mistake, at least out our way they are plentiful. If I look after them, will I not more so look after you? What comfort. The Lord is my shepherd. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And today, folks, we are looking at Jesus being the good shepherd. We're looking at the Lord being our shepherd. We're looking at John 10.10. We're looking at John 10, which is the passage where Jesus goes and speaks about himself being the shepherd. David declares, the Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus goes and says, I am the good shepherd. So, to start this section, we're going to begin with a song called Pastures Green. Troubles and trials often betray those on in the weary body to stray. But we shall walk beside the still waters with a good shepherd leading the Oh, 
So let us begin reading that passage of scripture, the good shepherd and his sheep from John chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come in before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, steal and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord, and I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? The others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill, where we've been looking very briefly at Psalm 23. We have read John chapter 10, and we're going to get dug into it in a little bit more detail now. And then, in a little while, we are going to be joined by Pastor Chris Stoll as he continues his series, Discovering the Real Jesus. So Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees, and he goes and he says to them that anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. And we know that to be true. That's a very simplistic discussion and description that is taking place. And yet, as he goes and expounds that, the Pharisees, it tells us, didn't understand what he was talking about. Now, that leaves me wondering what exactly it was that they didn't understand or what they were choosing possibly not to understand. But Jesus goes on to explain that he is the gate. And it is only through him that the sheep can come and go. He goes and explains that he is the shepherd. 
He is the one who goes and lays down his life for the sheep. It is only because of him that the sheep can go in and out of the pen. Because if you listen to the story, it says that the sheep follow the shepherd. They listen to his voice and only his voice. They will not follow any other voice. We're beginning a very clear picture of the way that these sheep go and operate. We know that it's very different to the way that we go and farm sheep in a Western society, but over in Eastern society, that's how they do. They train the sheep to actually follow the voice. Even when I was in India one time, that's exactly how the shepherd was walking along. The sheep were walking behind him all in single file, which is quite an experience to see. In comparison to the way they'd all be in a big clump following along behind you here. And the only way they'd do that is if you had a bag of meal with you. But Jesus isn't enticing people along by having a bag of meal. No. The sheep are listening to his voice. And only his voice. And therein lies a number of challenges for us. We see the blessings that are recorded in Psalm 23 that David goes and pens. Of how God goes and provides green grass and leads us by the still waters and restores our soul and prepares a place for us in the presence of our enemies, leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. And here we're being shown how that happens. It happens by us listening to his voice. Now that begs the question, do we know what his voice sounds like? How do we know his voice? How do we know God speaking to us in 2023? Well, the first answer to that is very simple. We know it by reading the scripture. The way that we get to know Jesus, the way we get to understand who he is as our shepherd, is by reading what it says about him in scripture. The way that we understand the voice of Jesus is by reading what he goes and clearly asks us to do. He turned around and he told us all that we're to love him with all our heart, mind, soul and strength and to love our neighbours as ourselves. He tells us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You see, if we take the picture of him being the shepherd, and you being a sheep, and I being a sheep, suddenly we're on the same footing in God's eyes. You're no special than I am. I'm no special than you are. We're of equal importance. But he makes a distinction here. Because by stating that his sheep know his voice, he's also insinuating that there are sheep that don't know his voice. And therefore, if there are sheep that do not know his voice, they don't belong to him. And therein lies another challenge for you and I. 
Do you know yourself as being the Lord's sheep, belonging to the Good Shepherd? Do you know his voice speaking to you, leading and guiding you, prompting you by his Holy Spirit? And do you know God's goodness and mercy following you all the days of your life? That when you look at your life, you can just see God's hand of blessing in everything that takes place. Irrespective of whether things are up or down, Romans goes and tells us in chapter 8 and verse 28 that all things work to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Is that your experience? Let me just leave those few questions with you. Well, a very good morning to you once again. I'm so glad you've joined us again as we continue to look at this series that we've entitled Real Jesus, where we try to remove misconceptions about Christ and rediscover who he really is from God's word, the Bible. It's actually really eye-opening as you look at how God reveals himself in his word. Uh, The more you get into it, the more you let God speak for himself, the more you get a genuine, authentic picture of Jesus Christ. And last time we were together, we looked at the account from Mark's Gospel where Jesus called a tax collector named Levi, or Matthew as we know him, to become one of his disciples. We pointed out what an unlikely and dramatic change this would have been for Matthew. Here's a Jewish man who's essentially turned his back on his people to collect taxes for the Romans. He comes into contact with Jesus, and the impact of that is so dramatic that this same man becomes one of the twelve disciples, and he actually goes on to pen the first book of your New Testament. It's fascinating. One of the things that you learn as you read the Gospels is that whenever Jesus met with someone, he never left them the same as he found them. People who reject him leave blinder and harder of heart. But those who accept him leave absolutely transformed. And this was certainly the case with Matthew. And today, we're going to look at another life that was transformed by Jesus. This man was from an entirely different background. But it just goes to show that Jesus is not only interested in people from one particular background. He wants to reach out and transform everyone, no matter what their background is. The account that we're going to focus on this morning is found in the Gospel of John chapter 3. In fact, there's so much truth about Jesus in this encounter we're going to read about that we're going to take two sessions to cover it. So if you have a Bible handy or if you have the Bible app on your phone, you can join me there and we'll get started in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse number 1. Let's read it together. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Okay, so who is Nicodemus anyway? Well, it tells us that he's a Pharisee. Now we know the name Pharisee. Um, It's often used today in a sort of derogatory way to describe someone who is maybe self-righteous. Someone might call that person a Pharisee. But who actually were these guys, the Pharisees? Well, 
history tells us that the Pharisees were a group of religious teachers who were supposed to explain the scriptures, uh, which at that time was just the Old Testament, uh, to the people. However, over time, instead of teaching and preaching what God's word actually said, they gradually fell into teaching and preaching their own traditions. Uh, In other words, they got so fixated on the laws of the Old Testament that they began to create additional laws. Um, They got so focused on rules that they thought would please God that they uh, they completely lost sight of a relationship with God. And that was that was a tragic thing. Now, it's true that the Pharisees as a whole opposed Jesus. They saw him as a threat to their religious status quo. But not every Pharisee adopted this attitude. Um, there were some independent thinkers in the group, uh, you know, guys who were actually more interested in genuinely following the scripture than maintaining culturally accepted religious norms. And this was Nicodemus. He saw what Jesus was doing and teaching and was gripped with the growing realization that, that this was divine, that this Jesus was fulfilling all the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, and he couldn't escape that. So what does he do? Uh, now watch this, right? He decides that he's not going to just go along with everybody else anymore, okay? Um, he's going to go and seek out the truth for himself, now, now, how about you? Have you been just going along, following your culturally accepted religious norms? Or is there something in you that wants to find out about knowing Christ and having a personal relationship with him? Well, as for Nicodemus, he wants to find out the truth. So it says in verse 2 that he came to Jesus by night. Well, why at night? Well, that's when most people are sleeping. And he doesn't want anyone to know about this meeting. I mean, think about it. Can you imagine all the pressure Nicodemus must have been under? It's like he's in the middle of a huge tug of war. On the one side, he knows that all of his fellow religious people are opposed to Jesus, and they're just happy with their cultural religious norm. In fact, they're quite proud of it. Um, If he is seen questioning that, he could face rejection from his peers. But then on the other side, Nicodemus wants to know the truth. So what if he sticks with the culturally accepted religious norms and uh, misses out on a true relationship with God on the head of it? Well, no, he's not willing to do that, so he makes up his mind. He's going to go to Jesus and find out the truth for himself, but he'll go at night when no one else is around. So he begins this undercover conversation, as it were, uh, with Jesus with a statement. Um, He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. He leads by acknowledging that Jesus' teachings and works show that he is from God. But Jesus doesn't comment on that. Instead, he goes right to the heart of the matter. He knows that he's got a limited time to talk with this truth-seeking Pharisee. So Jesus gets right to the point and tells Nicodemus the truth about knowing God personally. And this is vital. Um, Look at verse 3. Jesus answered him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Wow. 
Now, that is a very exclusive, absolute statement. But it's an exclusive statement by God, the Son. Now, this was very challenging for Nicodemus to accept, as we'll see next time. But uh, this absolute statement by Jesus, you must be born again, is difficult for people to accept today, too. Uh, For two reasons, really. First, we don't like absolute statements today. See, we live in a day where inclusivity is king. There's this idea out there that, you know, my truth works for me and your truth works for you. And, you know, your guy down the road, his truth works for him. But the reality is truth is not a matter of opinion. Truth is a matter of fact. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I think or what you think or what somebody else thinks. At the end of the day, what God thinks is what we're going to reckon with. And the second reason people have difficulty with Jesus' absolute statement, you must be born again, is because there's some confusion out there about what that even means. I mean, look at Nicodemus's reply in verse 4. He says, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Now, we'll unpack what this actually means next time, but one thing that's obvious here is that Jesus is making it clear to this good religious man that his religion will not get him into the kingdom of God. His rule-keeping will not get him into God's family. Because getting into God's family is not something that you do. It's something that is done to you. You have to be born again, born spiritually into God's family, becoming a child of God. See, John already alluded to this in John chapter 1, verse 12. And in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, But to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not to the ones who trust religion to make them right with God. Not to the ones who trust their ability to keep all of God's laws. But to the ones who believe or trust Jesus Christ alone to make them right with God. Those are the ones that he makes the children of God born again into God's family. Amen. Thank you, Chris. And we look forward to part two on the story of Nicodemus next time that you are with us. So, folks, that's all for this week. Thank you for listening to Heartlands here on Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, show you grace and turn his face towards you, and give you peace. Amen.